Do we need Jesus to cross the divide? I know it's a provocative question. When we think of anything religious in America, of course, you're opening the floodgates for possible differences of opinion. I understand. And I kind of stepped into it a little bit recently uh, when I wrote a newsletter for Brave Angels asking this very question. I was watching the Super Bowl, like many of the rest of you were, and uh, I was uh, struck by this ad campaign by these folks called uh, He Gets Us. It's an effort to rebrand Jesus in America, right? Because for a lot of folks, uh, Jesus is something that you would equate with religious intolerance, prejudice, all sorts of things that don't have anything much to do with loving your neighbor as you love yourself. And so this group, He Gets Us, spent $100 million on an ad campaign that culminated in the Super Bowl, where uh, one of the ads they showed was basically sort of a, a, a panorama of polarizing images of Americans fighting with each other, at each other's throats, uh, with uh, language and terminology that said that Jesus loves the people we hate, right? Jesus loves the people that we hate. Jesus gets us, all of us. And therefore, the message to love your enemies comes through as the thing that Jesus really teaches, really stands for, and therefore Jesus is the answer, the, the ad campaign seems to suggest, to, to polarization in America. Now, I thought that was a beautiful thing, and so did a lot of, uh, a lot of other people, but there were people on the left and the right who had a problem with it. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a superstar congresswoman in New York, uh, went to Twitter to say that she didn't think that Jesus would spend $100 million making fascism look benign. Uh, Charlie Kirk, uh, leading conservative activist, uh, commentator, founder of Turning Point USA, uh, said that this was one of the greatest disservices to Christianity in the modern era and that the people who ran this ad were, quote, woke tricksters. Now, uh, they each had their own reasons for taking aim at the He Gets Us campaign. Uh, for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she didn't like the fact that the ad campaign was sponsored by uh, the family of David Green uh, from Hobby Lobby, which, of course, is a Christian-owned arts and crafts company that's famously supportive of socially conservative causes and is viewed by many people as an enemy of the LGBTQ community. But for Charlie Kirk, the very fact, I suppose, and this was true for many other Christian commentators as well, I went through the gamut on YouTube listening to folks in, in, in sort of conservative Christian evangelical America, some of them anyway, making the point that, well, this is a watered-down version of Jesus. This is a Jesus that has nothing to do with forgiving sins. This is a Jesus who has nothing to do with granting salvation. This is a Jesus who never says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And so, you know, you did have people who had issues with it on each side. But for me, the thing that really mattered was the fact that this was a portrayal of Jesus that really emphasized the idea that loving your neighbor as you love yourself and loving your enemy, in this case, your political enemy, is the way towards making the world a better place, and making American democracy what it could actually be. Now, in sort of, you know, endorsing the spirit of that, I got a fair amount of pushback from within the organization of Braver Angels. And, you know, many of you will know, but for those of you who don't, I am, of course, National Ambassador for America's largest bipartisan grassroots organization doing the work of political depolarization. Braver Angels, the name notwithstanding, is not actually a religious organization, but we're full of people who are from all religious faiths and no particular religious faith, right? And so it's a constant experiment in terms of how we can humanize one another more deeply uh, to bring life and healing back to our politics. Uh, and so when I wrote this newsletter asking the question, do we need Jesus to cross the divide? I uh, got a, 
a whole lot of enthusiastic yeses and amens from a lot of people, as well as uh, some concerned responses from folks who who answered the question by saying, well, no, uh, to write a to write a letter like this is to cut out Muslims and atheists and Jews and people who don't have any Christian faith. And then, of course, I heard from some atheists and Jews who said, I'm an atheist or a Jew, and I love this. And so, you know, concerns and reactions sort of cross the spectrum. But, you know, the thing to simply note is the deep legitimacy of the concern that says that, well, when you lean into religious language and politics, you can't make room to include everybody. I get it. I get it. It's a valuable concern, particularly in a country that really does have a great history uh, of religious persecution and bigotry, as does so much of the world, so much of the Western world, to be sure. But I do have to double down on the point and hopefully lend some substance and some clarity to it. I really do believe that America does need Jesus to help us cross the divide. And I don't say that simply because I do think of myself as a Christian, albeit sort of a bad Christian. I'm not the type of Christian who you find in church every Sunday, and that's not necessarily the <laughs> the best thing, you know. And I've got my own sort of uh, theological and spiritual beliefs, and I'm sure there are many Christians who wouldn't count me as a part of the club, but be that as it may. Now, when I say America does need Jesus, I'd like to acknowledge really quick that there are different ways to mean that, you know. A person could say America needs Jesus and really be saying that America needs uh, spiritual uh, salvation. Right, you could be sort of making the point that uh, the United States of America uh, needs to come to Jesus because etern- uh, souls are at risk of damnation if they're not. But that's not what I mean here. Uh, you could say that America needs Jesus because America needs uh, traditional Christianity, and that America needs to return to a place where the norm here is a traditional definition of of, of marriage, where we're safeguarding. Uh, the sanctity of life, opposing abortion or any number of other things. Um, We can say that these things are good or bad positions uh, to have, but that's not what I'm focusing on here. Um, To say that America needs Jesus, in my mind, is to say that what America needs is a deep embrace of the virtues of Christ, and most specifically, sort of this idea of agape love. Uh, that informs the idea that even for people who hate us and persecute us and certainly who disagree with us, we can have an overarching goodwill towards them that seeks for them to have a life of personal and social fulfillment so that through understanding and mutual empathy, we can build a more just world and a more fair world together. One that has room for all of us and what Dr. King referred to as the beloved community. And it makes a whole lot of sense in this context, as we look at what was being done with the He Gets His campaign, to think in terms of the teachings of Martin Luther King Jr. and how they related to the virtues of Christ, to the virtues of Jesus of Nazareth. Not insofar as he was seeking, for he was not seeking, to make America a a religiously Christian nation in terms of our official religious affiliation. But insofar as King's mission had everything to do with seeing to it that we loved one another as we love as as we love ourselves, that we managed to love our enemies. Right. And in the context of his mission, his time, that this was something that bared directly on the question of social justice, on the questions of civil rights and equality and beating back racism. 
So the virtues of forgiveness, love, understanding, these are things that are found in the gospel, right? And the thing about it is, is that many people will say to me, and rightly, and I would fully agree, that you can find the virtues and teachings of love and understanding in many different philosophical and religious faiths uh, and traditions. This is true. This is absolutely true. And so it's worth bearing in mind the fact that we can be informed from many different traditions in ways that make us better people to one another. But we can't ignore the fact that in the United States of America, the most religiously observant country in the Western world, this is a country with a deep Christian heritage. It is not limited to that, right? But for many people, the American experience begins in a relationship to the church. It was why so many people came and settled the new world, so to speak, to begin with. And while American society has become far more diverse over time, for many people who live in the United States of America, and this goes invisible to many folks who live in our metropolitan, cosmopolitan city centers and people who live in more integrated and more conspicuously sort of cross-cultural communities. But for many other people in America, religious life is the overarching framework through which we relate to the world. Not everybody grows up in a secular context. Barack Obama wrote very wisely about this. If you go all the way back to his book, The Audacity of Hope, he refers to the starting point for polarization in American society as having a lot to do with the break between secular and religious society that accelerated way back in the 1960s. At a time where people felt that religion was on the outs in American society, where obviously the, the anti-war movement and social liberalism was gaining steam. But one of the things that Obama writes about is the fact that religious people were launching their own, pod, their own their, not podcasts back in those days, but their own radio shows, their own publications right? Uh, flourishing in churches and local Christian institutions and ignoring the mainstream culture just as surely as they were being ignored. And of course, from that, you get the moral majority, you get Jerry Falwell, you get the rise of Ronald Reagan and this parallel universe of American experience that is oriented in such deep ways around the uh, institution of the Christian church, but also the person of Jesus in the consciousness and understanding um, of millions of Americans for whom that is the lighthouse by which they understand moral truth. Can you speak to people like that in a way that invites them into an inclusive society without speaking to that tradition? I argue that it is extremely difficult, if not impossible, to do that. This is why Nelson Mandela said, if you talk to a man in a language he understands, that goes to his head. If you talk to a man in his language, that goes to his heart. That's precisely what Dr. King sought to do and did in his time. Martin Luther King Jr. spoke to the Christian identity of this country, for whom, for the millions of people for whom that applied in his own time. And of course, Dr. King, of course, Reverend King, um, was, a Christian, um, was a Christian himself. But Dr. King, Reverend King, um, was someone who was not, blind or numb or disinterested in the many different sources of moral and spiritual wisdom that could inform the pursuit of a just society in the beloved community. Dr. King learned from everyone. Dr. King learned from philosophers. He learned from other faiths. The philosophy of nonviolence that Dr. King espoused came from Mahatma Gandhi. 
Dr. King said that Christ supplied the spirit, but Gandhi supplied the method. And that in the early days of the civil rights movement, the early days of the nonviolent movement, Dr. King, on the one hand, of course, was seeking to speak to the Christian conscience of those millions of Americans, certainly in the religious South, who opposed the civil rights movement, but also to the African-American Christian community who supported him. He needed to speak to the Christian heritage and understanding of all those folks, right? And so in the early days of the movement, Dr. King acknowledged that while nonviolence by way of Gandhi and the teachings of, of, um, and the, teachings of the pioneers of, of that movement were ones that were, were themes that would not be understood by those who, uh, who followed him, he therefore decided to represent nonviolence in the language of, quote, Christian love, right? To Dr. King, however, Christian love and the spirit of nonviolence that, uh, that Mahatma Gandhi taught were the same thing. They went to the same place. They were born from a mutual commitment to humanizing those who disagreed with you and those who even would fight with you and persecute you, right? For Dr. King, a more Christian America was arrived at in part by embracing the teachings of a Hindu. I see no contradiction here. And I see no contradiction between that truth on the one hand and saying that America needs more Jesus on the other hand. If we remember that the true teachings, the deeper moral and ethical teachings of Jesus of Nazareth stem from this idea that we must love one another as we love ourselves. And so it becomes a tricky thing, of course. We identify with religion and we identify with politics in ways that go deep into our identity. And when we hear the word Jesus, when we hear the name Jesus, we might think, ah, that is the truth. Or we might think that is a symbol of persecution. I get it. But let's look a little bit deeper. What we're all trying to do, left, right, and center, Christian, Muslim, Jew, Hindu, atheist, go on down the list. If we are seeking the best for our society and our best and the best for our fellow man, we are seeking a road to a world in which we can truly love one another from a spirit of goodwill. Why would we take anything off the table in speaking in the languages that can allow people to understand what that message really means? We need Jesus to help us do that. And we need many other teachers and many other traditions as well. But the tradition of the Christian church is indispensable in a nation for whom so much of its history and its present reality is rooted in that history, in that association, and yes, in the deeper teachings of the gospel. Thank you for listening to Uniting America. If you'd like to support the show, you can do it by subscribing on YouTube and on your favorite podcast platform and leaving us a positive rating, review, or suggestions. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and tune in for more content. And learn more about the movement to depolarize America at braverangels.org.